son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Avrin. Each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast, and here's David Avrin. And welcome to the Very Visible Business Podcast. I am David Avrin, and this is a great one. We're going to talk about champions. We're going to talk about leaders. We're going to talk about about translating some of the lessons in sports to the lessons in life and lessons in business, and others have done it before, but very few have done it on the level of our guest today. People, you know, it's a, it's a big accomplishment for those of us who've written a book. Some of us have written multiple books. Some of us have a brand new book that we're highlighting here on the screen. Um, Ross has written 50 books. Ross, uh, Ross Bernstein, we're talking here today, 50, and, and not like one five, like five zero uh, books about, about life and sports and lessons learned and gleaned from those who play at the highest level. And for those of us in business who are looking to build our business and, and raise our visibility and compete in a really tough marketplace, there's some phenomenal lessons that really translate very well into what we do. And for many of us, really what we aspire to do, which is not just compete, but to do it on the highest level. Uh, before we say hello, I will do sort of the official introduction, excuse me, to my friend, uh, Ross Bernstein. Um, once again, the best-selling author of nearly 50 sports books. He's an award-winning Hall of Fame peak performance business speaker whose keynoted conferences are, get this, on all seven continents. Now, this kind of pisses me off because <laughs> I have done six, and I've talked about like gathering together other speakers and chartering a boat or something, or maybe spend like a week chilling in, in South America, and then taking a, a flight over. Each of us do a little TED Talk, talk to the penguins, talk to... Ross has already done it, which really pisses me off. Um, it's a club I thought I was creating, but apparently I'm a wannabe in all of this. Ross has, um, he's also been featured on CNN, CBS This Morning, ESPN, Fox News, as well as Wall Street Journal, heard of him, New York Times, heard of him, USA Today, others as well. His mission is to get people to think differently about how we raise our games. So welcome, my friend, my longtime buddy, uh, Ross Bernstein. Ross, how are you, bud? Hey, I'm great. Hell of an intro. Great to see you. Thanks for having me it's, on. It, it, was a, a, it, it was a a deserved intro. It's the <laughs> stuff that I've learned about Ross. Ross, if we could just get Ross to come out of his shell a bit. No, Ross is, is so, um, he's so busy. He's so in demand. What's really fun is I, I run into Ross like in different places in the world. You know, <laughs> sometimes I know you're there. Sometimes I walk around the corner in Hawaii or somewhere else and there's Ross, or I look on Facebook and I'm like, are you in New Zealand? Because I'm in Borneo. And are, are you in Dubai? Because I'm in Johannesburg. Uh, but, but Ross has some phenomenal lessons. Ross, tell us about, give, give us a little background of um, who, who writes 50 books? Why would somebody write 50 books? And what was, what was the quest? And what do you do with all of that, all of that perspective? Well, it was, it was my previous life. I mean, as professional speakers, we all have a previous life, something that we did that gives us the right to sort of 
you know, do what we do. And right. my, my previous life, as I was, I was a maker of books. I wrote books. And it's funny because in our world, the speakers, people write a book and it's a, you know, it's a business card. It's a vanity play. You want right. to get credibility. But my previous life, if I didn't write, publish, sell books, I didn't eat. So I had a very different motivation for selling tons of books and getting on TV and radio to promote them. So I had a very different path to do it. But my, my passion was always sports and uh, it's kind of a crazy backstory, but it's, it, it's, I'm very lucky to have found my way doing, like you, what I love to, uh, you know, tie in sports and speaking and to travel around and yeah, it's a crazy yeah. life. How did, let me, for some of the people that you, you've written books about and written books with, what was the entree for that? How, how did you approach these people and convince them to tell their story or to let you tell their story? And as you were going through that, which was your job, this is what you do. I mean, other people's like, how do you write? It's like, what I do. I mean, it's, that's my job, it feeds my family. But how did you get in the door and what was your growth in learning? Not just in terms of your writing style and talent, but your perspective. I mean, you're hearing story after story from some very, very big names in, in sports. Well, it's, it's a crazy little backstory and I'll take you kind of back to the beginning because it's sort of a weird entree into it because everyone has their own sort of pathway. But my dream, I, I grew up in Minnesota and uh, it's so freaking cold. All we do here is play hockey. So my dream was to play hockey at the University of Minnesota. Uh, I walked on, I tried out for the team after I became friends with some of the guys in the team. Uh, they'd come to my fraternity parties and I, I took a one credit FIED course called Introduction to Ice Hockey 101. And I got to know a bunch of guys in the team and they encouraged me to try out. And I walked on, it lasted about 10 minutes. I, I did not make it. I, I got cut after trying to impress the coaches by taking out our star player, our team captain. Um, it's like shanking the like, like a body, like a body check on the team captain during your tryout? During, yeah, and it did not go well. Uh, so I, I got cut. Yeah. And I wound up becoming the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher. Uh, the, a giant smelly rodent. And that was, there was another job opening on the team. So I, I kind of made lemonade out of lemons, became a cheerleader. And I got in a lot of trouble as a mischievous mascot. And as a senior, a publisher approached me after a game one night and he said, hey, we want to write a book about all the trouble you've gotten into. Um, as I like to say, apparently it's not appropriate to throw craft cheese singles at the Wisconsin band. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I didn't know. Today, and, today and it makes you a YouTube star. It kind of it uh, spawned the idea that, you know, what if I wrote a book about the history of gopher hockey? That was my passion. So I begged my mom and dad to let me use my graduate school money to write and publish a book about the history of gopher hockey from Goldie the Gopher's point of view. The conversation did not go well. I had two older brothers who had gone on to get their Ivy League MBAs, and this is what they wanted me to do, but I wanted to work in sports. So I convinced them to let me use my money to write this book, and... Uh, I dove in and one of the first guys who helped me was Herb Brooks, the coach of the Miracle on Ice hockey team. Yeah. One of my heroes from Minnesota. I'd, I'd went to his hockey camp when I was 10 in 1980. I met him. I won the most improved award for the guy who sucks the most. And uh, he or, helped or me. sucked less by the end of the process. This is true. It was there a scale go. of suckiness and I was very high on that scale. But he helped me. He, he, his passion was to grow the game. So he helped me. And I wrote my first book as a, 21-year-old senior in college called the Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. And I was off to the races. I was doing book signings. I was uh, getting on TV. And companies, you know, rotaries, chambers would say, hey, we heard you on TV telling these stories. 
we thought they're really funny. Can you come talk to us? So I was like, wow, this is cool. They'd pay me 50 bucks and I'd, I'd go sign a couple hundred books. That's all I was interested in doing. And one led to the next. And I learned that when you go to charity golf tournaments or, you know, start meeting people that other people said, Hey, I, you know, I want to write a book. And that one led to the next. And I was churning out two, three books a year for years. And that was my job. So um, I just got to know people and kind of by the laws of karma, it turns out if you're a nice guy, if you give away lots of books, people want to, people want to hang with you. So that was kind of my crazy backstory and I kind of made a career out of it. So it's a, it's a nutso story. You know, people are asked all the time, sort of these theoretical questions. If you could have lunch with anybody, you know, who would it be? If you could spend an hour with somebody living or dead or whatever for, and some of the names of the people and the people that you've talked to over the years, I mean, for some people's lifelong dream, you call that Thursday. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you have sat down with some, some great names. Talk to me about some of the, talking about some of the learning, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, as where we are in, in speaking, as we go around the world, as we always say, you know, don't tell us what you've, what you've done, tell us what you learned. Yeah. And so in all of that process, now you're cranking out books and there's the physical manifestation of these stories and these lessons, but every one of those stories, every one of those, those books is filling your brain with perspective. And now as you share with organizations, sort of what you call the champion's code, Talk to me about your learning during all that process. Where has that taken you today? That's a great question. I, I'm really lucky. I've, I've been able to, you know, be around some really fascinating people and study them. And, you know, I'm always interested in what makes the great ones great. What, what, what is it? What's, what is it about their DNA? So that's what I try and do. As speakers, we all try and do different, we all have a different shtick, I guess, as to how we teach and learn. And for me, I try and ask good questions and learn from not necessarily what people say, but what they do. So there's so much you can learn from Wayne Gretzky or Tom Brady or Pat Summit or Lindsey Vaughn. So I try and talk about things I learned from sports that are applicable to business and leadership and customer service and disruption. So it turns out there's a whole bunch that's relevant. So that's kind of my angle, what I focus on. Sure. And, for, and for our audience, which, which can be business leaders, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and others, give me a few of the, of the key takeaways that, that, and, and I'm going to give you a little bit of challenge. I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, things that aren't trite. You know, so many people who talk and they're the mountain climbers or the whatever, and they talk about preparation and perseverance and teamwork and stuff that we kind of know. I mean, there's, there's certainly some unique takes on that, but, but give, give us a couple of really unique, um, maybe even from your perspective, some unexpected lessons. Yeah. You know, it's, from what, it's, from what works and what doesn't. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. And there's, it's, it's, it's never ending. You know, that's the beauty of my business is every day I, you know, what turn on the TV and there's, you know, oh, there's great new stories, great new life lessons. It's, it's a never ending changing right. thing. But, you know, one of the guys I'm particularly smitten with right now is Tom Brady. And I've, I've had a chance to interview him a few times over the years and study him. And it's just a fascinating guy. He's 42. He's been doing this for 20 years, just a grinder, you know, and just to see the longevity. I, when I talk about Tom, I talk about consistency and how he manages failure, but yet how he's open to learning new things. So I do a deep dive on Tom and I talk about a lot of the things he does, you know, all the, the, the specialized coaching that he uses, you know, he's got a neurologist. He helps him to study peripheral vision and reflexes and using strength and conditioning coaches and plyometrics and cryotherapy and sleep science. And, you know, I talk a lot about video. Um, I'm, I've been a working member of the media for the past 20 years. So that's been, oh. given, that's, that's been a, a real advantage for me. I built relationships with the team. So I get to work with 
in Minnesota with the Vikings and the Twins and the Wild and the Wolves and the Gophers. So I, I get a unique access to the players being behind the curtain, getting to meet players in the locker room and at games and the dugout press box. And that's where you meet people and build relationships. And um, I'm working with teams now, you see how they're using technology. They're called departments of decision sciences. And it's fascinating. You see a lot in baseball with um, predictive analytics. And right, the old Billy Bean stuff, right? Yeah, but to, to a whole nother level. Right, but that, I mean, that's what sort of what started it, but what they're learning now is, is astonishing, isn't it? It's incredible using augmented reality, virtual reality, um, drones. It's just fascinating how they're using science to, it's like a chess match, you know, and, and they're using video to push it in real time. So you see the players, you know, swiping right during games. And it's about applying a lot of these concepts to business. You know, can you record yourself hiring a millennial? or a Gen Z and trying to keep them and figuring out why, you know, can you communicate more effectively? You know, this is what happens in sports. Do you have a dashboard? You know, everyone has CRMs and data and, and spreadsheets, but here's what they do in sports. They're using RFID tags to measure everything, everything from heart rate to how many miles or kilometers you've run in a game and to compare it from the first quarter to the third quarter and game three to game five and measure your injuries and recoveries and they can have it on an app and it's readily accessible. So anyone, a monkey can do it. So there's just so much you can learn and then applying it to a guy like Tom Brady, who's just, you know, six Super Bowls, 10 AFC championships, and then why? You know, people, some people say, well, he's just lucky. Really? Well, yeah, because he's somebody, he's easy to hate, right? He goes home right. to Brazil every night, he beats everybody else. Yeah. But, but there is a danger in being dismissive of excellence just because you don't like who the team they play for, right? And it's right. The, same, the same analogy in business. I mean, I, I, see, I see organizations, I see individuals and leaders being so dismissive of competitors, especially big competitors. Oh, yeah, they don't care about the little guy. They don't care about special orders. Then You know, it's just here, just take it or leave it. It's like we're well, being just so dismissive. They're 10 times bigger than you, and there's a reason for that. You know, there, there's the, there is this disdain sometimes we feel for competitors, but there's a danger in dismissing the reason why they're successful, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's the fun part about sports is everyone's so passionate about it and they have their teams and it's just visceral, you know, like I'm happy today because my Vikings actually won yesterday. So I don't have what my wife calls the purple hangover, which I had after losing to the dreaded Packers last week, but everyone, you know, and it doesn't matter if I'm talking, you know, cricket in South Africa or rugby in New Zealand, you know, people love their teams. They hate their teams. They, they have the same issues. So it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful commonality that I've stumbled upon that people speak sports uh, wherever I am around the world. So like you, you find these commonalities for marketing and visibility and branding. And so it's fun to be able to kind of tie it together and, and ultimately at the end of the day to use it to help people, to help them grow their businesses, to help them to be better. Right. And, but, but talk to me a little bit about those who are, I mean, the things that we've learned traditionally, it's always been about, I mean, I still hear CEOs say this in front of their group and it makes me crazy. And they talk and they say, listen, at the end of the day, people at the end of the day, it's about excellence. It's about quality. And I'm just like, you know, at the beginning of the day, it's about quality. At the end of the day, it's what do you do better than others who do it well? I mean, there's still this belief that the competency, you know, is just treat them like you want to be treated. It's like, it's not so simple, but, but here's what I like about what you talk about. I want you to sort of expand on this. Malcolm Gladwell talks about outliers, right? There's sort of this mistaken belief that, that, that those who work hard are going to get ahead, that that's the formula. And, 
I, I think what we see, especially in professional sports, is working really hard. That's the entry fee. Those who are playing at a high level at 42, they talk stories that others have told about Michael Jordan, you know, after a victory, staying for two hours through, shooting free throws. Those who are not just doing what they're supposed to do and doing it very, very well, but those who are taking advantage of every other opportunity to get better, to get additional information, analytics, training, others. You look at people like that. I, I worked years ago with Bill Romanowski, who was one of my clients. And the things that he did, and he was somebody easy to hate because he was tough on the, on the field. But off the field, I have never met somebody who loved the game more than Bill Romanowski. And he would do anything to play as long as he could play. And there's certain things that are, that are notorious. But I saw behind the scenes, he spent $150,000 a year on his body, yeah. his trainers, and people working in the pool. And, and I watched all of this stuff. And those who play longer, those who, it's, it's, they're willing to do more. And they're taking advantage. And there's so much more today that we can do, isn't there? Well, that, that's an interesting, um, interesting segue. I mean, Romo, Bill Romanowski is a fascinating guy. I've interviewed Romo for a few of my books. The most interesting story I remember from Romo was a, a book I wrote called, uh, called the, the Football Code. It, it, I wrote a series of these books called The Code about the unwritten, unspoken rules in sports. And it's about the fine line between cheating and gamesmanship and where's your line. Because right. there's all sorts of codes in business too about where's, you, you know, what is a, it's not about fighting in hockey. It's about what leads to fighting. There's an honor code in sports and you can break these codes. So I've studied them. This is what the champion's code is. It's about these codes. And it's interesting in football, you know, you can't just go hit someone. There's a penalty. It's a selfish penalty if you take out revenge in someone. It's a 15 yarder and a first down. So right. you've got to be clever when you do it. Maybe it's on an interception. That's when Romo would go after the quarterback. Or maybe it's under the pile during a fumble. And I remember him telling me Dave Meggett, the running back for the Giants, was under a pile and Romo was there. And he just, you know, when there's a scrum, you don't know. It's, it's nuts. You don't know what's going on. It's people will grab anything and squeeze it and turn it and you can put your fill in the blanks. But Romo told me that he was trying to get the ball from Megan because you, the ball ch might change hands two or three times. And, and he said, he just started grabbing it and all he could get was his finger. So he said, he just turned it until he heard it snap like a chicken bone, quote unquote. And he said, he got the ball. And I said, well, did you feel bad about that? And he said, no, man. He said, under the pile, anything goes. So I'm always fascinated about that line and about how far people are willing to push it. And, and conversely, companies. And you see it all the time, the hubris of companies losing their moral compass. Right. So I talk about winning with integrity and how do you win the right way. But there's that line. There's this fine line that everybody crosses every day about what's cheating, what's gamesmanship, whether it's your kids saying, hey, kids 12 and under, eat free, pretend you're 12, going to the restaurant, or a company saying, well, we can fudge these emissions tests, or right, or we can put a decimal point right. there. So well, I and, and, and part of the line, though, isn't it? Part of the line is, is it's justified internally within organizations as they're saying, well, it's not personal. It's just business. Mm -hmm. Well, what is business? I just recorded a video on that as well, talking about the whole idea. Because, of course, for us as customers, everything is personal. You know, you can say it's not personal. It's just, but for us, it's personal. Everything is. But when you, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. Because I, I don't want to, certainly we're not going to profess um, pushing that line or crossing that line. But the reality in the marketplace is, is though there are those who do. So talk to me about the code. 
because in business we have a code as well, right? Um, we have far more visibility than we've ever had, far more, oppor far more opportunities for, for underhanded behavior to see the light of day, right? And much harder to recover from it today, social media and all those things as well. But for those who, who tend to achieve on a higher level for an extended period of time, they don't really cross that line, do they? It's exactly certainly right. Not, certainly not the heroes. Right. Well, it's really fascinating that the champions, so the champions code, my program, it's, it's based on these two best-selling series of books. One, and I'll just explain it because it's weird. Please. One is about why teams win. I, I did this series of books called Raising Stanley, Raising Lombardi, and it was about what it took to raise that trophy. And I interviewed a thousand professional athletes and coaches who were all members of championship teams. And I was looking for the trends and metrics and patterns and analytics that were common, like, like Jim Collins did in Good to Great. Sure. And then the code part of it is these books called the, about these unwritten codes. Like the hockey code was really interesting. It got turned into a movie with an Academy Award winning director. And it was about fighting in hockey, but it wasn't about fighting. It's about that honor code. And if you break it, the, how they allow the players to police themselves. It's about what happens if you cheap shot a guy or take liberties with the smaller player. This code says you must be held accountable. That's why they don't allow the players to wear face masks. So if you play like a dick, you'll get treated like a dick. And a guy will punch you in the mouth and you will lose some teeth. We, we call that spitting chiclets in my business. But you learn a very valuable lesson about the golden rule and about respect and integrity. So there's these codes in sports. The baseball code features Nolan Ryan giving Robin Ventura the business, if you remember that iconic photo in the 80s. It right. wasn't about getting drilled. It was about what happens if you pimp a home run or if you cheat. Or, and so it's about consequences. So the champion's code is about players that play the right way. But yet, players that will stick up for their teammates too. So it's a, it's a fascinating conundrum about how you play the right way, how you stick up for your teammates. I mean, there's nothing more liberating than a fight in hockey. I mean, sticking up for your teammates. But, but, but here's the thing, Ross, for those who are uneducated, maybe watching that, they don't realize that there is a method to the madness. Yeah. There is somebody who gets, who gets beamed in, in baseball. The next time the pitcher's up, yeah. they're going to pay for that, right? Yeah, somebody true. runs up the score, they're going to pay for that. But the whole idea of policing themselves the underlying current of that is there are rules and there is honor and there is a right way to do this. And those that don't will, um, will suffer the consequences. Give me that, translate that to business. How do you see that being played out in business? And, and what are some takeaway lessons for those who are listening? Well, I love studying companies that do it the right way. And, you know, I talk about companies that don't do it the right way. And um, I, you know, good companies, they get a free pass if they make a mistake. Right. Certainly the Enrons of the world, the Bernie Madoffs of the world, I compare to the Lance Armstrongs of the world, people who have lost their moral compass. And it happens every day. I mean, we're seeing it right now with Antonio Brown with football, right? right. I mean, if, it's just, it's fat. Every day there is new fodder for me to talk about what, who, who screwed up, who did something great. And um, as tourists and, you know, fans, we get to watch and we get to cheer and celebrate or mourn if it's our guy, quote unquote. But, um, you know, there's people that do it the right way, and I, I try and celebrate them, you know, old school people. One of the guys I talk about in my program is an old school baseball player, Harmon Killebrew. Right. One of my heroes, he, he wrote a forward for one of my books years ago, and we lost him to esophageal cancer years ago. And I, 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 tell, I share a story meeting him at, at, at a book signing I was at, a, a, an autograph show, and he was there. And, and I show a picture of, of one of his baseballs, and it's just his signature is 
it's beautiful. It's the only way to describe it. It's perfect. It's, and, he, he, and I'd talk about how he would take the time to, to turn and he would center the ball so that the signature was right in the middle between the laces. And, and I talked about how he'd always under-promise and over-deliver and give you something extra underneath, like the year he's inducted in the Hall of Fame or maybe career home runs and how he would, he'd visit with you and look you in the eyes and talk to you about you while he was signing it. It was like that whole experience and how he saw some other players signing really fast, these young superstars and how he went over and yelled at them. And how they're, you know, they, they just, they were in shock because they'd never been talked to like this. But Harmon felt like it was that important that if, that if these players, these fans were going to honor you with the privilege of asking for your signature, what that meant and how it's become so commercialized now. So right. I try and celebrate old school people or new school people who do things great. And I, I throw people under the bus who don't. And I think there's a lot we can learn how you run a business, whether you're a team of one like, like, or two, like you and I, or you're a huge corporation that, that hires hundreds of thousands of people and you, you know, control billions of dollars. It's about winning the right way. And that's, that's to me what the Champions Code's all about. It's about you know, winning and building relationships the right way. So it, it, it's a fascinating concept. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I was hoping sort of this would go because that, that I think is... I don't think it's lost today. I think there is a, a new resurgence. I think there's a new recognition of doing it the right way, but it's not in lieu of smart business, is it? I mean, there, when, when somebody talks about whether it's being green or what, whatever somebody's cause is, and I'm never one to say, you need to support this cause, you need to support something, you need to believe in something, and then needs to manifest in your behavior within the organization, because it's all, always very visible. I mean, whatever you do, whatever you believe, whatever you teach and preach um, is visible to the marketplace and the marketplace will judge. And the marketplace, as you had talked about with some of the sports teams, it will police itself to an extent. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm an unapologetic free market, you know, economist. And I think the marketplace plays out. Those who are bad players are, are outed. Uh, and I think those, and, and I think to, to a more tangible and permanent level than I think we've ever seen in business. I think social media and certainly yeah. review sites and Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor um, gives, give a real tangible uh, sense to what is really occurring within business. Um, how do you, as a speaker, as a consultant, as a messenger, an emissary, how do you help your audiences and the organizations you work with take away more than just a motivation? Yeah. Because there's a real, there's a hard message behind behind your great, your great stories, your great energetic, um, look, them up, look them up online. It's rossbernstein.com, yes? Yes. Okay, rossbernstein.com. Um, like crazy great speaker, crazy energetic. Thanks. Um, no, but, but, I'm a, but I, I'm a fan as well, and I'm not here to plug you, but I think people need to look you up and understand it. Because in addition, I was going to say behind, but it's not really behind, but in addition to the very entertaining stories and the phenomenal insights and, and behind the scenes and behind the curtain and on the field that we get, there's a really important message, an important takeaway. How do you, I'll get back to the question, which is how do you get them to walk away with more than, than a motivational message, but really yeah, so, inculcate it within their business practice? Well, so what I do is I share um, sports stories along with business stories. So, so my program, it's a, oh, I talk about a concept like um, consistency with Tom Brady and how he manages failure and has a short memory and how he does all these training tools, for instance. And then I come right back and I, I share a story about a company who I've worked with. For instance, a company like Levi Strauss. Heard of him. Heard of him. Fascinating yeah. concept uh, or a fascinating um, 
story that I share where I, I keynoted one of their events um, and afterwards their, their president took me down to their corporate store in their headquarters in San Francisco and he said, hey, pick out some swag for your kid. So I picked out some, you know, haute couture skinny jeans and a bunch of fun stuff. And I was all excited. And I came home and I laid it on my daughter's bed and said, look, honey, look what I got you. And she came running in and she said, dad, what are levies? Oh my She'd never God. heard of them before. How funny. So but it, but it says back, something, doesn't it? I go back a few months later and they bring me back, Levi's brings me back to work with a huge, it's a huge retail conference for all their global retail managers. There's thousands of their managers there. And I'm debating if I should tell them the story because I know it's going to break their heart, but I think they need to know there's a 12-year-old girl running around the Mall of America who has absolutely no idea what their product is. So I, I told them and it broke their hearts. But interestingly, afterwards, their president came up, up, back up and he said, you know, as painful as that was to hear, we needed to hear that yep. because what was promised to us yesterday means nothing tomorrow. So at this point forward, I now officially declare we're a 166-year-old startup company. We have to reinvent ourselves, guys. So I talk about how Levi's reinvented themselves and how they didn't have the hubris to say, well, you know, since we own this category, since they invented jeans, right. because the gold miners were ripping their freaking pants 166 years ago, how they've reinvented themselves. And last year with global retail sales in the tank, their sales are up 10%. This is a $5 billion global brand that now is no longer selling jeans, they're selling experiences. It's part of their global brand campaign of living Levi's. How they've got Taylor Swift and Beyonce bragging about their product on social media, on Instagram, how they spent a quarter billion dollars in the naming rights for Levi's Stadium. And they had the Super Bowl there three years ago, Super Bowl 50, which, oh, by the way, the Roman numeral for 50, and they use Roman numerals for all their marketing, is L for Levi's. So I talk about a company who didn't have the hubris to say, well, we've always done things that way. They said, we need to change. So I talk about consistency and what that means and how these managers have to change because, oh, by the way, Sears, Pennies, Macy's, they're going bye-bye. So right. they've had to change and that's what it takes. So I talk to companies about what are you going to do to change? Because everything is changing. And in my world, I show a big picture of Borders books out of business. So I've had to change too. Books became speeches. They became documentaries, movies, and, that, and that's the message. So you, you tie what we do back to whatever audience we speak to. Because like you, I'm, I'm, I'm at 120 events a year. All my clients are completely random and different. Every week, they're totally different from medical to pharma to industrial to automotive to HR or hospitality. So we have to try and find these commonalities that relate or we don't get hired. So if we're not good, it doesn't work. So we better be good. And I know for you, that's that's your model as well. For, for all of us. But I also have seen, and, and and I think a lot of people tie it back to sort of the iPhone, like what's changed in 12 years. And we know the stories that we don't, you know, you ask somebody what time it is. They don't look at their watch anymore. They look at their phone and, and whether it's a level or checking the weather. I mean, all this stuff that we don't do anymore. But I think there's a lot of things that have changed. <coughs> Excuse me. In terms of, um, and, and I want to get your perspective and, and what you connected to some of the sports things as well, is how we define um, not even how we define excellence, but how excellence is, 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 is manifest. And does it look the same today as it did 12 years ago? Because I, I look back at yesteryear. Yesteryear used to be 30 years ago. Yesteryear now is 12 years ago. And excellence was being really, really, really good at what you do. And today that seems to be the entry fee, right? The winners are doing so much more 
than, and I'm wondering in your early days as you were writing books and people talked about perseverance and hard work and the key to success and to be a champion. And today that's, that's what you need to make the team. Yeah. It's, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, we have access to so much more information sure. and more things we have to do. Tell me what you've seen in terms of that change over the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the measurement for excellence. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of, you know, everything in sports has gotten bigger, faster, stronger, everything. Players are bigger. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable. We're measuring bigger, faster, stronger differently today, aren't we? Exactly. I mean, you look at any sport, it's the, the numbers are, whether it's the Olympics or professional sports, it's everything is, is up, up, up. So it's, it's an arms race of how you're going to, you know, fuel your body and train and condition and coaching and private coaching and facilities. Yeah. And it's remarkable. I mean, the, the new practice facilities are billion dollar facilities themselves. And they, they're like technological wonders. I mean, it's amazing. Kids, like I see a picture of your son, Spencer, playing football uh, b below you there, you know, seeing him go on YouTube and say, how do you, how do you block a guy better? I mean, these were tools you and I never had when we were kids. Yep. You'd watch film and it was like, you know, an old film, you know, and now that there's, there's so much, they have so many resources. And quite frankly, too, with the social media, with video, you know, fandom, people don't have the tolerance to wait around. You get a two to three year window to, or you're out. That's right. just how it is. So let's, let's connect that to business because we're seeing the same thing. I mean, it's online learning. I'll give you a funny thing. You mentioned my son, Spencer. Him and his friends were in the kitchen. They were making chocolate chip cookies. And they're in the, like literally an hour. And, you know, of course, they're getting stupid because they're 16 years old and they're throwing flour on each other. But they're all on their phones and we're like, are you guys going to make cookies or not? Are you just going to play on your phones? And they're like, what do you think we're doing? They were watching YouTube videos of how to make chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. And they were each watching different ones. And we're like, you know, the recipes on the back of the bag of <laughs> chips. And they're like, what? <laughs> like an hour into this. So even in business, we understand that competition is hard. Competition is hard for individuals in terms of, you're right, they have that window to, um, to, to prove themselves in their, in their job as well but we have so many more resources and analytics and measurements and, and metrics that we have to meet that um, we have resources. Is that what it takes to win today as well? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's no shortcut. You have to do all these things. And, you know, a year in sports today is like a dog year. You know, you don't get time to wait around and get good. They don't have the developments, the, the minor leagues, so to speak. I mean, you win or you're out for coaches. It's a two to three year cycle for players you've got to be great. And now the, the wild card is, is what's interesting because it's kind of ties to what you talk about. And your, your expertise is, is that kind of wow factor. I mean, if all of a sudden, you know, you, if you have value to your team and you've got a hundred million Instagram followers or you create a different level of buzz, then there's also other forms of value, whether it's a you know Chinese soccer team wanting you for marketing purposes or Paris Saint-Germain bringing in David Beckham to play for their team because they want to sell more tickets and merchandise. I mean, the business behind the business of sports is just as fascinating. I mean, working uh, in television, uh, one of my clients this week was, was NBC Universal and just seeing how they measure um, um, not just television numbers, which are, you know, drastically falling but the social numbers and interestingly the esports numbers i just had an event working with the minnesota timberwolves the nba franchise the timberwolves and Lynx, 
and their championship team this year was the esports team. And this is fascinating. Th We're this is where it's all at now. You, you've got, you know, as many people as watch football, you've got millions of people that will tune in to watch an esports game of kids playing basketball, uh, the video version, right. uh, in a room somewhere in Singapore. This is fascinating. And this is all the rage. So um, if you're not in this right now, if you don't know about it, you are 10 years behind the, behind the boat. I mean, it, it, but, but, it, but it, there's a broader lesson in that too. Cause my son does it well. He spends hours watching other people play video games yeah. and I just don't get it. But, Can't comprehend it. But, but what I have to get, and I think we all in business have to get is things are done differently. Now, as much as we want to throw brands, you know, those damn kids, you know, get off my lawn or whatever else. The reality <laughs> is, is the world is changing and that's, it's almost trite to say, but within your industry, um, how are people doing, how are people achieving great success? There's people who are leapfrogging the disruption who are, that are, that are changing industries, redefining how certain processes are even, are even done instead of incremental changes, right? It's completely, let's just throw it out, do it a whole different way. And all of a sudden industries are going by the wayside. We have to be that hyper vigilant in what is the newest way? What is the, doesn't mean we have to chase every shiny object, but we got to be aware of all the shiny well, objects. You, What's you know, working, what isn't? Finding your differentiator, you know, for you in, in, in visibility marketing and, and why your customers leave and how to win them back or some of your podcast guests, you know, just recently you had Jay Bear on talking about talking points, you know, learning about that or listening to Eric Chester talk about, you know, why a company would want to hire and keep a, a young millennial or Gen Z, sure. how, to, how to keep them. This is the huge challenge. So this is the quote value that we provide. So, you know, for all of us, we, at the end of the day, as speakers, we just talk. So unless you're giving people practical advice on how they can use this information to grow their business and ultimately make more money, that's the ultimate metric, then you're, you should be commoditized. You, you should be, you have to be able to provide that valuable information. So for me, it's blending and weaving this information to a group of financial advisors or wealth managers or whomever and saying, look, how do you apply this to so that you can use that information to build that relationship? How do you talk about a warm referral? How do you talk about using social media differently? How do you talk about maybe using a video testimonial? Practical stuff, meat in the bone stuff. So unless you get to the nitty gritty, actual stuff that someone can say, I'm going to use this tomorrow to make more money. You suck. You shouldn't have a job. So as speakers, we have to look at that. You can't just say, here's a concept. It's no, here's some actual real life practical wisdom. Then unless this works, and for you and I, the ultimate measurement is, you know, I don't do any marketing. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, crazy. The ultimate marketing is company people have to, people say, you need to hire that guy. He was great. And you don't get to say that about you. Other people do. Right. So that's, that's what you ultimately try to achieve. Well, and, and listen, the stuff that I've learned, we've been friends for a long time, but the stuff I've learned from you in watching and, and reading The Champion's Code and a couple of different books in that as well, is recognizing that it's sort of always been the case that a couple of individuals and who are those people that, you know, Wilt Chamberlain or, you know, maybe because he's, he's got an advantage in height and some of the other, I mean, individuals, it's, it's, it relates so well to what organizations, individuals that almost worked more in the past today Everybody has to play at that level. It can't be one or two superstars. And what we see in business is what was historically, excellence was the key. If you were that good, and now there's so many other ways to be that good, but a little bit better. And if you ask people say, can you get better? No, we're doing it this. And you say, well, have you done this? And have you done the analytics and this? Are you really looking at your numbers here? Are people engaging with you here? And being very cognizant of what the marketplace is doing. 
because we can't be complacent while we're sitting in rooms with our clients, our customers, our audiences, and helping them learn and share and grow and build their business. There's other people in other rooms, in other auditoriums, in other conference centers, trying to think about how what we do, how to do that differently or better or faster or smarter. And your teaching, um, I think, really highlights that. Who are the people who are doing more and better and faster? And, um, and in, in many cases, it's really the key to ensure survival. I mean, everybody wants to know the secret sauce, right? They want to know, you know, who, who have you met? Who's doing it better? Who's doing it differently? I mean, when I work with actual sports teams, when I worked with your Colorado Avalanche, they didn't want to know about what other hockey players are doing. They want to know what Tom Brady's doing. They right. want to know. They want wisdom to know. from outside of their industry. Yeah, yeah. They want to learn about, you know, what Ichiro Suzuki is doing, stretching his muscles. You know, he has these incredible machines that he had built, and he was able to play well into his 40s because using plyometrics and these weird, you know, uh, Japanese stretching styles and, and very, you know, Eastern conceptual methods of training. And they, they want to know, well, what is he doing? And, you know, they're always fascinated. What can we learn from other people? Right. So, you know, I love studying, you know, the outliers, the weirdos, the, the coach who won more games than anyone else with a radically different system that no one thought would work. And I want to know why. And how can you apply that to some guy that sells tape or whatever? Right. You know, that's the key. You have to be able to say, this is practical wisdom. You can use this. So I'm always like you. We, we study, we go to conferences, we get energized, we learn. And so I'm, we're on this like lifelong quest to figure it out. And you know what? It's just a never ending game and it's fascinating and it's fun. And that's the thing. If you can, if you can have fun doing this stuff, I mean, I, I love studying athletes that have fun. You know, when it's a job and it's just a grind, it's no fun. I mean, you and I live on the road and but, you know, we see each other at our event, our conference, our speaker conference. It's fun. I mean, I know that yeah, I walk in to and we'll have fun. Right. What works, what doesn't. The, uh, the, cause it, it's, because it's work. It's still work. I mean, that's where we don't say, God, it's getting late. I got to be at play at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's work. But there, the rewards are there for those who do, who do more, who, uh, who, who take it to a different level. Hey, listen. Out of time on this one. Um, so thrilled that you could take time to join us. And we got to find another time when there's something new to talk about. That's the nice thing about Ross. He's, he's on TV all the time because every time there's a new sports scandal, there's a new, um, somebody wants, he's got the perspective because not only has he sort of been, as he said, part of the news media, but he's written 50 plus books. He's had so many conversations. I appreciate you taking the time to share some wisdom with us. If people want to get a hold of Ross Bernstein, how do they best do that? Uh, just rossbernstein.com. I'm, I'm not pitching anything. I'm just, right. yeah. <laughs> and Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. You should own Ross Bernstein spelled it I-E as well. Just, <laughs> just redirect it. rossbernstein.com. Hey, thank you for being with us here today. Remind everybody, the Very Visible Business Podcast is sponsored by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. Listen, if you want to go deeper with your team, take some time away, 30 minutes once a week. To, to have a deeper discussion about how do you engage with your customers. I have a new video series. Take a look at it. Go to thecxadvantage.com, thecxadvantage.com. Be sure to like this podcast, hit the subscribe button, and to see the video version of this interview, you can do it on my website at davidavern.com. It's also on my YouTube channel as well. Uh, you want to learn more about my speaking? Visit me online at Visibility International. Dot com, and you can pick up a copy of my brand new book, 
It's in hardback, Kindle, Audible as well, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. Forbes just named this as one of the seven business books that entrepreneurs need to read. If you want to read 50 more books, <laughs> we'll enlighten you. Ross Bernstein has those as well. Hey, Ross, thank you very much, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Check, love you, brother. Check out some of the past podcasts. I love you too, brother. And, uh, and be sure to subscribe. Thank you much. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at theveryvisiblebusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at visibilityinternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing at Amazon.com. This has been the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.